Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Nobody going to break my stride. Nobody going to slow me down. Whoa, no. Got to keep on moving. Got to love it. Got to love it. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since Tuesday. We had a fantastic show on Monday and Tuesday. Perfect guests, great dialogue, unbelievable flow, everything you could want in a show. Uh, Like I always say, got a lot of big plans for the future of the Rory Sauter Show. Uh, We're listening to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, only 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, TheNextNEXGenUSA.com. Also remember, I will be um, launching the big media network that I've been working on uh, very soon. Stay tuned for that. A lot of notable names doing their own shows. Uh, We got that in the works right now. Um, It's been been quite the week. I will say, uh, you know, and I, I know I say this a lot, but the media this week with the headlines, I think, you know, this might be the busiest week I've seen in quite some time. Uh, when I was doing show notes today, it's a lot of stuff in the headlines since we've been off the air since Tuesday. Um, and I, you know what, I, I take note of this stuff. I really pay close attention to, you know, everything we're going to be discussing, you know, how big uh, the show notes are compared to other shows. And I'll tell you what, it, <laughs> this, was pretty, this was pretty damn big. Um, but yeah, weekends approaching, always a great feeling, uh, always a big sigh, sigh of relief. Uh, you know, it's always a, um, uh, a huge, uh, excitement, uh, for me. Uh, it's been a, uh, definitely been a, a tiring week, a lot, a lot, a lot going on. Uh, okay. Okay. Got a lot of guests on tonight too. A lot of big guests on tonight. We'll be having former political advisor to NATO ambassador, a former department of defense counterterrorism prosecutor, Omar, uh, Quadrat. I'm very excited to talk to him. Uh, we'll also be having nationally syndicated interviewer, political commentator, executive producer, and best-selling author Daphne Barakon. Uh, I believe we have with us right now, we have retired police chief and homicide detective Michael Balsey. Michael, how are you? Hey, Roy. Thanks for having me tonight. You're sure uh, right. Uh, it's been a busy news week so far. Promises to finish up strong. Absolutely. Michael, always a pleasure. Good friend of mine and uh, a great uh, asset to the show. So thank you for being here. Thank you, my friend. Okay. Um, I also would like to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us. Uh, Let me make sure uh, on the screen. We have uh, national political uh, commentator, Republican operative and former Trump campaign staffer, Hunter Dworsky. Hunter, my buddy, how are you? How you doing, man? Uh, Living the dream. Uh, really big day today. I, I honestly, I hope you say the whistleblower's name because you gotta say it. So there's, I, you'll get into it, but it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. unbelievable. Well, that's good. yeah, that's gonna be one of the um, that's gonna be one of the big things we talk about. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Keep America great. Yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. Sorry, what'd you say? Crazy. I said I said keep America great, but that this is it's just this is insane. It's just. It's crazy. I, I, I know people that know him because he worked in Biden's and Biden White House. So it's just uh, it's it's sick. These are sick people. These are sick people. This this was this is a long 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 time planned coup. It is a coup. This this is what you're watching is a coup, a takeover yeah. of the president of the United States. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. 
uh, definitely a lot to get into. Thanks for being with us. Yep. I also would like to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us, we have, um, let me make sure, we have Army vet, GOP candidate, NRA advocate, and activist Chris Bray. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, Rory. Glad to be here tonight. You know, a lot of stuff been going on this week. Absolutely, my friend. Good friend of mine. Great, great asset to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you much. Absolutely. All righty, everybody. Uh, like I do every episode, uh, I want to start with the small stuff, like the headlines, like I usually do, and read them off and kind of give my thoughts, and then we will have everyone, uh, you know, take notes. You, you, once I get to you on the panel, what, you know, if you have any thoughts on, on any of these uh, subject matters, uh, feel free. Uh, I'd love to, love to hear your, your, your input, uh, just like every episode. All righty. Um, you know, here, here's what's really interesting is that last night, you know, there was a, there was a few unfortunate circumstances. Uh, everybody knows what happened in Kentucky. Uh, Bevin lost. Uh, you know, that's as it looks right now. He wants a recount. I get it. Uh, it was a very slim, slim uh, race. The Democrat won by inches, like basically nothing. And, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for the people of Kentucky right now. I really do. Because Matt Bevin was one of the greatest uh, politicians and people for pro-liberty. He really was. He, was, he has a similar style to Trump. Very, very much an outsider, great businessman, um, and he speaks to us like we're humans. He's not your everyday politician. And you know what bothers me? And I talk about this sometimes about other people that are involved with politics. But uh, the governor that was elected last night in Kentucky – um, his, his father was in politics before, and I hate this. Like when you have a family member that's in politics and it's like, you have the advantage and, you know, and I always thought about this and I think this is something people don't pay enough attention pay blah, blah, blah. Jesus. People don't pay enough attention to is the fact that when you have a father who is governor in your state, do you realize how many strings and how many different, uh, loopholes? Uh, he has and, and different backdoor deals and, and corruption he's involved with. And he can do voter fraud. He, you know, he, he can do all these different things to get some extra votes for his son, which I really think happened. Because if you look at what Kentucky and Matt Bevin, the way people loved him there and how popular he was in that state, it just doesn't add up. And, you know, now I'm seeing, like, for another example, Virginia, now in Virginia, the, the, the Democrats own the House. And they own the Senate. I mean, do, did they learn nothing from Ralph Northam, the guy that goes by Coon Dog, the racist dude? And then his, you remember, remember when he gets bossed around by his wife, and, and this wimp, you know, he, he was on live TV, and his wife goes up to the podium with him, and she says, and she, she makes him say, oh, yeah, when I danced the moonwalk, that was probably inappropriate and a little racist. I mean, no, these people – are these people are the definition of racist, and they 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 have to. I mean, this is the same guy that was caught in blackface several times, uh, was dressed as a KKK member, the guy that wants to kill babies at nine months, and black people are still voting for him. They're still voting for him after race racist incident after. I mean, it was constant. 
It didn't just happen once with, with Ralph Northam. And the same sort of thing with the other guys involved. I mean, we saw what happened with Justin Fairfax. Three women accused him of, him of rape. And then there was another guy on Ralph Northam's um, administration that was involved with something. I don't know. Maybe it was blackface or there was some sort of scandal. It came out shortly after Northam. But I'm just like, how, how do all these people get, get uh, you know, get in power? That's what I want to know. How do they keep electing these idiots? And the only thing I can keep resorting to and, and, and guessing and, and a strong assumption would be voter fraud in a lot of ways. Because if you look at these races, they're not blowouts. They're not landslides. They're very close. And how do they get so close? I think everybody should be asking them, themselves that question. Um, you know, we had, we had a decent night in other parts of the country. Uh, New Jersey, we did well. Um, you know, and, and here's the thing. We have all these big election wins this year, this year with special elections. Last year in the midterms, we gained, we gained two Senate seats, uh, you know, despite the media saying that the Senate was going to turn blue, which is wrong. And, you know, the only thing the media can point to is that how Trump campaigned for Bevin in Kentucky uh, the other night, and he lost. So, I mean, this is, this is what the media does. You know, that they look for the worst nar- narrative, the worst storyline, and, and, and they twist it and they spin it, and they don't even have their facts right completely. I mean, you look at how they're trying to, to spew this to the public. They're saying it's Trump's fault that Bevin lost. And, they, and, and Trump's right. The fake news was going to blame him, and they did. This is exactly what they did. Instead of giving him W's and wins for everything he's done and all the seats we've picked up and all the upsets we've had, they want to find the one story where, where, where we, you know, came up short. I, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know how these people keep getting power. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I mean, people that do nothing. Cal, Khalid, what the hell does she do except, you know, uh, condone and enable violence in America? Same with frickin', uh Ilhan Omar from Minnesota. What does she do? Same with AOC. What does she do except be radical and hostile and, I mean, what? There's no policies. There's no work for the constituents. Ralph Northam has done nothing for the constituents. These Democrats, just like Trump said, it's the perfect definition for them. An example, the do-nothing Democrats. That's what it is. It is. That's crazy. It really is. Uh, I want to get involved with and talk about this. this. This is insane. And this goes right into what I said about the victim culture. And, and how I said we've created these entitled animals who think they are given trophies at every cost. But the reason I'm about to say this is because now students in California are saying that the SATs are racist and discriminatory. Yep. I mean, and I talk about this all the time. What the Democrats do is they create as many victims as possible. They put, people, they put as many people in boxes as possible. And that's what grows their base. They try to convince all these people that they're oppressed, they're victims, they're crazy. And it, you know what, sadly, it, it, it works for them. It's, no accountability, children, making demands, marching. And, and I talked about this on my show last week. They're now saying where I'm from, uh, the Seattle school system, you know, like everybody knows, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona seven years ago, but I grew up in Seattle. And the school system there, is now saying math is oppressive and racist. So it, it, it starts very slow, and they keep taking more and more inches 
and they and they gain miles. I mean, they gain miles. This is what this, you give them an inch, they'll take miles and miles, and they'll push their agenda slowly but surely. And they're very subtle about it in a lot of ways because they do it really slow. And you know, in a lot of ways, they're not subtle. But in terms of the process, I, I, these people have it all planned. Just like I've said about you know them enabling pedophilia, them enabling all these hundred different genders. The more victims, the more powerful they become. It all, it all factors into it. But what kind of society are we? What have we come to where math and the SATs are now racist? Sounds to me like these kids just don't want to do their damn work. It's very, very simple. We've created these people uh, of victim mentality, and um, it's really taken away from the American dream. It absolutely has. It's sad. It really is sad. Um, you know, this is, this is something really interesting. Um, and I talked about this on my show the other night, but the re- the refugee inflow, uh, is dropping this year by 40%. So actually for 2020, but within the next year it's dropping by 40%, uh, in terms of who we're accepting legally. So Trump, Trump is really dropping, dropping, uh, he's not, you know, giving it out like 90% like Obama was. You know, Obama was giving immigration to every single – I mean, it's ridiculous the kind of people he was giving immigration to. And I, what I love what Trump's doing is he's vetting every single process. He's making sure that we know who's coming in here. You know, we're not going to do the visa lottery. We're not going to do any of this crap anymore. We're going to do things the right way, and we're, we're not going to let as many people in the, at that request. You can't re- – you had all these requests, and it's almost like they were accepting all the requests when Obama was in there. It's like you can't do that. You have to, yes, there has to be a cutoff. You, you, there'd be a certain amount, and then you can apply the next year. I don't, however it works, however, whatever they do to apply to them. I, I don't know. But you know what I mean. And it's just like, come on. It's like, what, you know, I, I get everybody wants to come to America, but it, it, it's already full. I mean, we're, we're over full. Over, over, we're, we're, we're overfilled. We are. We really are. I mean, there, there's way, way too many people in this country, especially people of not even that were born here. You know, we got to take care of our people. That's for damn sure. Um, this is really disturbing, and this goes into what I've talked about with enabling pedophilia and this whole LGBTQ community uh, pushing the backwards narrative of, of, of this whole bigotry. And, and I mean, it's, this is as inappropriate and, and disgusting and vile as it gets. But you have the LGBTQ community and the transgender story hour freaks um, embracing and putting this 12-year-old boy as the poster child, uh, he's a twelve-year-old tra- he, transgender. He's all over the internet, uh, and his parents. Oh my God, you should see these parents. The father looks like he wants. The father looks like he wants. Uh, the father doesn't even know what to do with himself. This, this guy looks like he's he's just shocked and, and beside himself. And you know, the mom is one of those smelly, ignorant feminists that says, "Oh, let my son do yeah. All these crap. Like, I mean, you're taking it too far. I get, you know. Let the, let the kid love his life. But when a kid at 12, year old, 12 years old is choosing his sexual orientation and becoming a trans, transgender, I mean, come on. Come on. Seriously. Once you're 18 and you want to be a transgender and change the way God made you, then do it. Once you're out of the house. But when you're under parents' care, that should be considered child abuse. I mean, there's no exception for it. And the Democrats, what they do is they try to normalize it by portraying this victim mentality, and if you disagree with them or you hate on it, 
you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a Nazi, you're hateful, you know, and, and what they do is they push this equality term. They push this equality term because what it does is then, like I said, it makes these victim boxes. It makes these victim boxes because they don't want people to take accountability. Avoid responsibility at all costs. That is what the Democratic Party is known for. Think about it. Think about what they're doing. This is not rocket science. But, I mean, once you get children involved and once you're trying to indoctrinate them with all these sexual innuendos and all this um, filth, and, 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 I mean, come on. I mean, come on. You know, it, it, it's, just, it's crossing the line. And pretty soon, uh, like I said, pedophilia will, will be normalized in the Democratic Party. They already pretty much have. You know, they're, they're feeding these kids. Everything under everything under the sun, everything, and they just push their agenda a little more and a little more. It's crazy. It really is insane. Um, you know, I'm really tired of the hypocrisy from the celebrities. You, you know, I'll give you an example. It doesn't end. You have Kathy Griffin, uh, Joy Behar, Whoopi Goldberg, Smelly Chelsea Handler, uh, the, the ignorant feminist. And, you know, you got all these people that want to make comments about our president when, they, you know, they feel like they're so important, like they, they, their voice has to be known, you know. And they, they have to say the most ignorant, hostile, aggressive uh, things. I mean, it's what they do. And, you know, guess who comes out of the woodwork the other day? Who Guess who comes out of left field? And the hypocrisy is, is hilarious. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Yes, Jerry Springer. The guy that's known for banging prostitutes and bringing complete lowlights on his show to duke it out, yes, Jerry Springer. He is saying that Trump is unstable, Trump is dangerous to this country, and that Trump is setting a bad example to the youth and all these people. Really, Jerry? Really? You had women taking off their shirts on your show on live TV, and you want to talk about who should set an example? You have people beating the shit out of each other on your show, even though it's probably fake. It actually is fake, of course, but come on, Jerry. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. It's like, dude, I mean, I, I, you know what? I I get so riled up, and and I laugh my my ass off when Jerry Springer is doing these kind of interviews with, with like, saying how how unstable Trump is. Look in the mirror, bud. Look in the mirror, bud. Seriously. All right. Um, Only a few more small ones, then we're getting into the big stuff. Um. You know, here, here's something that I think um, is, is really, really scary and really concerning. And I, and I talked about it on my show the other day. But Jeffrey Epstein, uh, there's a new report out. And I talked about, I wouldn't do a whole segment on this before the show ended on Tuesday. But recent reports out today saying Jeffrey Epstein had unexplained wrist and shoulder injuries, according to his brother. So, I mean, come on, guys. Just like I said on the show the other day, when you have one thing, that doesn't add up, okay. But when you have four or five or six things that don't add up, broken camera, um, you know, broken bones, these damages to his wrist and his shoulder, uh, the, the guards fall asleep. I mean, come on. Nobody believes, nobody believes he killed himself. There's no way. It's probably the biggest cold case mystery that, we, that we're never going to know the facts. It's just like the whole Vegas situation. It's just like Vegas. I mean, you know, it's one of these things where, um, 
you know, the media is bought, they're paid for, they are controlled. Uh, like I said on the show yesterday, you know, they, they, were, they were limited and, and controlled and, and monitored on what they were reporting on Epstein because, like Harvey Weinstein, Epstein had a lot of money that he could shut people up. We heard the reporter leaked video, Project Veritas, this past week. She admitted that she had the story three years ago. And, yeah, I mean, this is, this is what we're – the fact that they cover up a, a guy's murder, I mean, come on. I mean, I, this, 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 this is why we don't trust our government. We don't. And then they want to, people want to call us conspiracy theorists for believing this stuff. No, we're not conspiracy theorists. You know, this is – it's reality. Um, here's, a, here's a big thing, and I, and I thought this was hilarious. Uh, the, the superintendent of police in Chicago, Eddie Johnson, uh, has officially announced retirement. It's amazing what President Trump can do with a, with a few tweets and a few shout-outs uh, at his uh, events. When he was in Chicago a couple weeks ago, uh, he called out Eddie Johnson. He said, you know, went into detail about all his failed leadership and, you know, said how Chicago is a third-world country. And Eddie Johnson obviously didn't like that. Eddie Johnson uh, has failed badly. Uh, we see multiple murders every night in Chicago. Hundreds get shot every weekend. And it doesn't end. It keeps going and going and going. And it keeps – the problem uh, is extremely serious. You know, and the Democrats don't want to talk about it, of course, because it doesn't match their narrative. You know, they're, they're all for this gun control. But Chicago is the most strictest gun control city in America. And look at all the problems they have. So, you know, it, it is one of those things. Um, here's what's something really interesting, and, I, and I'm not shocked. Uh, I don't know if he's going to keep going full, full force, and I don't know how serious he is. But Michael Bloomberg uh, is running for president. It was announced today, former mayor of New York City, owner of the Bloomberg Channel. Everybody knows who he is. Popular billionaire. Um, he goes more left than he does right, though. I mean, he wants to call himself a moderate. And I mean that this, this is what this guys like this. The reason they're jumping in is because the Democratic Party has gone so far left. It's gone so crazy with Pocahontas and socialism and communism. I mean, it has. There's no middle ground anymore. There's no old school Democrat. There's there's no Kennedy Democrats anymore. There's no Joe Lieberman. There's no um, Bill Bill Clinton in a way. I mean, he he was a moderate. And I, you know, and, and it's it's sad. It really is sad because. The Democratic Party is, is burying themselves in the ground with, with this communism. I mean, they've gone so, like I said, so far left that I think in a lot of ways it's, it's, uh, it's, you can't replace it. You can't. I, I, I mean, these people have gone off the deep end. They're doing everything that's anti-America. And they want to welcome third-class citizens as their priority. I, I just, you know, and, and it, Michael Bloomberg running for president, believe me, he hates Trump more than anything. Uh, he's not doing this. Uh, because he wants to. He's probably doing this because he doesn't see anybody in the Democratic Party who has any potential. And here's the thing. Uh, I, don't, I, I know for a fact Bloomberg has no chance, but you know what? I, I think he would get more votes than any of those other idiots in the running of the Democratic Party, to be honest with you. I mean, why not? Well, actually, actually, I'm going to take that back for a second. If you look at how left, like I said, the Democratic Party is, uh, I think there will be a lot of people that will get mad at him for jumping in it, but I think there'll be a lot of moderates that are somewhat relieved, but I, I still think way more moderates will still go with Trump. Uh, you know, like I said on my show many times, moderates may not agree with everything Trump does, but it's a hell of a lot better than uh, voting communism. It's true. It's really true. All right. All right. Oh, and this is, this is really good. Here it is. 
FBI arrests uh, Puerto Rico senator and seven more in the corruption probe. These are the same people that were pocketing hurricane relief a couple years ago. Remember that uh, smelly animal mayor? What's her name? She's such a piece of work. I can't stand her. Forget her name. Yulin? Uh, I forget her name, but she was the one that attacked Trump, and she portrayed the victim just like every Democrat, tried to play the woman card, tried to play this whole feminist crap. You know what I'm talking about. But anyway, all this corruption is coming from that area where they withheld aid, where they took the money, and the same where they have that scumbag governor that said he was going to punch Trump in the face. Yeah, I dare you, man. I dare you. You're such a pussy. You talk behind a camera. Um, yeah, but I mean, it, it, it's all, it all makes sense. And where's the media? Why isn't the media? Why is CNN covering this? You know why? Because they coddled these people when they would attack Trump. It's like anybody that attacks Trump gets all the coverage in the world and the love in the world from the left-wing media. So backwards. So sad. Really is sad. All right, let's get into this whole impeachment thing. You know, I tell you, it is quite something uh, what we're – what we're dealing with right now, um, all the revelations and everything that's been discovered with this whole whistleblower, um, wow. I mean, it's, it's the biggest con job of all time. I've never seen anything so corrupt in my entire life. I have not, and it's a person is involved who's a person who involved with the CIA. The person involved with the CIA. I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to give him coverage. I don't. I don't want to give people like this time of day. But it's somebody with the CIA, somebody with the FBI, somebody with, with the deep state. Well, not the FBI, but the CIA and the deep state. Don Jr. even went out and leaked his name. So, you know, and I'll tell you this: the fact that the fix was in from day one should concern anyone living in this country. It's a threat to our constitutional republic. It really is. I mean, look at all these people for all these years that had this power and had these dealings and secret things going on behind closed doors. I mean, if they're guilty of this, imagine what else they're guilty of all these years of having all the privacy and secrecy in the world. I mean, we saw Brennan, Clapper, McCabe. All these people, the high ups, all involved with the Obama administration, some of the dirtiest people on the face of the earth. And it just here's the thing about this case is every single day and weekly, we're hearing more and more. We, we, there's more stuff that comes out. Like it, it's like a whole it's like a book. I mean, it's one day you hear part of a chapter, and the next day you hear another part of the chapter. And you've got some of the best people investigating this and behind us. I mean, I love William Barr. I love these people. Trump has Pompeo. I love people that are standing up um, for this administration and, and getting getting to the bottom of things. Uh, you know, no, no, nobody should should have to do go through this. But you know, the whistleblower um, is withholding. You know, all this stuff. And, and you know what? We're not just going to say it's one whistleblower. Because I think it's a group of people that orchestrated this. I think it's a group of people in the deep state. I think it, fall, I think it falls back on one person, and a, a fall guy or a poster person, but I think there's a lot of people behind this. And like I said, they've been trying to do this for three years. 
They've been trying to get him out of there. And you know why? Because he's given power back to we the people. For all these years, you had people in D.C. working for their own special interests, working for their own um, donors, not caring uh, about their constituents or policy. And, and, and the, this, the public's really sick of this. 33% believe it's a, it's a partisan probe. 33%. And there's only like 30% that believe it's a top priority to investigate it. There's a lot of people that aren't, um, you know, they're just not fond of it on both sides in a lot of ways. But there's a lot of Democrats, especially the radical ones, who are uh, really, really um, happy about this. You know, and, and I, here, I mean, look at what they're doing now. They're drafting three articles of impeachment based on hearsay, based on fiction, based on lies. We released the transcripts. He showed everything. He showed all the proof. And they didn't – it caught them off guard when he released the transcripts. It did because it basically uh, – it, it let him off the hook. It proved that he did nothing wrong. But what are they going off of? Fiction, the media. And I say this all the time. The only reason these people succeed so much is because they have the media on their side. The Democrats have the media to spin and twist narratives that they know their sheep will buy into. And then based off that, they have something they can spin and convince people of, and then they go after impeachment. It's crazy. The fact that they can abuse the system this much and go to these levels of extreme. Look at, look at Adam Schiff doing meetings in his secret lair, not letting Republicans back. Refusing to let Republicans talk to any witnesses or anybody involved. And you know what? Republicans are now debating whether or not they should call the Bidens as witnesses to the impeachment trial. Hell yeah, you should. Expose them, put him on the spot, him and his son, and yeah, I mean this is going to backfire on the Democrats because we're going to find out things that we never even knew about. Oh, it, it's, this is going to be a show. I mean, and you would think the Democrats would want to protect Joe Biden, their buddy, but they're, they're, they're throwing him into harm's way by allowing this thing to go through because of the way they can question him and they can get his son for all these crimes. And I even think they could get Joe Biden for these crimes. I don't know if he'll ever do a day in jail, but, you know, it's. It's one of those things. I, you know, I, we need – if they're going to play hardball and they're going to bring everything they got, then we, then we have to make sure they're held accountable with facts and exposing the, the corruption. So, yes, you have to. Absolutely, 100%. And Chuck Schumer is now coming out, and he's an idiot. Why is he even opening his mouth? But now he's saying no one knows who the whistleblower is. All you guys have been doing is talking about it. That's all you guys have been doing. That's all. And the whistleblower's attorney, supposedly, the, the supposed, yeah, I mean, you know, but he, this is what happened, and, and, and this, this is true. He tweeted two years ago, quote, unquote, the coop has started. Again, the coop has started. The fix was in, folks. The fix was in. Think about it. No legitimate cause, no sufficient evidence. They can't beat him fairly, so they impeach him. I mean, what else do you need to know? What else do you need to know? And think about all the subpoenas, all the hours of questioning. 
to hundreds of of people that they interrogated, and they found nothing with Russia. So they have to find another obsession. And nothing's there with Ukraine. The transcripts prove that. So they got to – I mean, it's crazy. These people are animals. Um, We're going to introduce here shortly to the show. I'm very excited to have Omar uh, Quadrat. Very excited to have him on, as well as we will be having Daphne Barak here on shortly. Uh, I do want to go to the panel. Uh, Michael, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, Go ahead. Michael Valsi, you're in law enforcement. You covered a lot of things there, Rory. um, The whistleblower, you know, I hearken back to the Obama administration and all the whistleblowers that existed and how they were dealt with. You know, many lost their jobs, which is supposed to be a guarantee under the whistleblower clause, right? You're supposed to have your, your job or your, if you choose to keep it or at least your benefits protected. You have no right to anonymity. Uh, but you stop and think about the people that lost their jobs, and you've seen them, they've all been on TV. The ones who were threatened with uh, violence or whatever if they came forward, and then the ones that just blatantly were told not to, right? Whether the information they had, they they classified it right away so they couldn't come forward. And the one that comes to mind is are the Benghazi whistleblowers, who we've heard from more recently. Um, so I, I really think this whistleblower, he has no right to anonymity, and I believe that uh, that he's going to be exposed along with his attorney. And if you remember, he was in that picture that just came out. He was in that picture, that White House picture they took, which obviously was taken after they knew Trump won the election. You know the picture I'm talking about with the entire White House staff standing outside the White House, and they took yeah, that picture? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, he's in the back in in that picture. So he's totally involved. And I believe you hit, you hit the nail on the head. I believe this is a team effort. And I believe it was all part, it was all scripted as part of their plan to remove Trump. And this was their plan B if the Russian investigation failed. Well, that was never going to go anywhere because it was a hoax to start with. And this is a hoax too, and this is never going to go anywhere. Uh, but they're hanging their hat on it, and they're going to lose this. The American people are not buying it. Trump's support is is uh, growing by the day. His approval ratings are still higher than Obama's at this same point in his presidency and, and growing, so I think he's good there. I want to touch on a couple of things you said. You know, Bevin in Kentucky, he was extremely unpopular as far as the polling was concerned. You know, he was like 15 or 16 points behind. Trump goes there, makes a visit, and now that race is a toss-up. You know, whether or not he wins it or not in a recount, we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, that's the Trump effect. And they can downplay that all they want. But if he can bring you 15, 16 percentage points on Election Day, I'd say he's got some clout. The thing about Virginia is that you have a lot of people from D.C. that have moved across the line over into Virginia. A lot of people, and especially with the uh, amount of federal employees that were added under the Obama administration, Trump has since come back on a lot of them. But a lot of those people live in that Virginia area. So the fact that Virginia flipped really doesn't surprise me much, and I'm not really concerned about that. Uh, I want to just touch real quickly. The immigration thing, I think in light of what happened with this family down there, 
I think the public demand is going to is it's always been there to support the wall. That's how Trump got elected. But I believe you're going to see the demand grow. And I, I sort of think you're going to see some more demands from the public, and I think you're going to see things start to change on that. As far as Eddie Johnson is concerned, I mean, the writing's on the wall there. I mean, you know, he's he's saddled, and I, and I like Eddie Johnson. Don't get me wrong. I think he was doing I think he was doing an okay job based on what he was dealing with. If you were dealing with that life foot as mayor, I don't know that anybody could have done a better job than he did. She, you know, she had his hands tied. So he did the right thing. I think it's time for him to move on anyway. My concern is who's going to come in. Are they going to get another yes man? Or are they going to get really try to make an attempt to clean the city up? You know, I wanted to make a point about Epstein. You know, we touched on this the other day, and you kind of touched on him a little bit. You know, I, I don't know if you're aware or not. You know that there were video cameras at Epstein Island and in the New York residence and other places. Yeah. Well, there's some speculation now that those video cameras may not have been owned and operated by him. The government. Well, I believe the deep state or the CIA. Yeah. You know, we know we know that Epstein was he was in business to blackmail people, right? That's what that was all about. And well, what benefit was it to him to blackmail people? It was to benefit the government. So don't be surprised if it doesn't come out down the road here that uh, those cameras were being owned and operated by the CIA or the deep state. I just wanted to make that point because I think that's going to come out. You touched on the border a little bit. You know, I, I think this Mexican president has all but proved that he's in bed with the cartel. Uh, and I think it's going to be incumbent upon us to do what we have to do. Whatever Trump decides, I'm sure it's going to be the right thing. But uh, we can't just, you know, our citizens are being harmed because of this. Uh, and uh, it's a danger to people. You know, you live in Arizona. You know what it's like, uh, especially around that border. I feel for those ranchers down there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just want to touch on the fact that Nadler and Schiff, I guess they come up with three reasons now, or the three main reasons they're going to impeach him. One was abuse of power, uh, second was 2020 election interference, and then the emoluments clause, none of which has any weight or merit. So I don't think that's know, going right? anywhere. And they yeah. find, they find I mean, the most ridiculous things that, I mean, well, yeah, you know, you're right. Have, we, we have an agreement with Ukraine. You know, part of the agreement with Ukraine was that they were going to root out corruption. Yeah. You know, so we're, he's more than within his rights to ask Ukraine to investigate the Bidens or or, or uh, Burisma or anybody. I mean, he, he has the right to do that. That's in our agreement with, with Ukraine. You know, right. and all of that was contingent on aid. So now they want to say, well, you held up the aid. Well, the dates of all that don't jive with what they're trying to make the public believe. But nonetheless, he had every right in the world to uphold aid if they weren't going to root out corruption. But the thing is, the point a lot of people miss, Rory, is the fact that Ukraine was already investigating the Bidens. They were already investigating Burisma. Trump didn't even have to say anything to him. It was already happening. That was in the news long before that conversation. 
So I don't think that was a big surprise to anybody. Uh, I agree. And that's about, that's really about all I, I have. Uh, you know, the one point I wanted to make, another thing that flew by the news uh, this past week or so was, you know, Obama knew Biden and had this uh, Burisma thing and had this corruption stuff going on in 2015. He knew he didn't do anything about it. You know, so, you know, either he's involved in this, which I believe he is, uh, you know, I, we'll just have to wait and see. But I think, uh, I, th- I thought that was an interesting point. You know, he was confronted about it back in 2015. Yeah. So no, you're, you're absolutely you're on. Yeah, yeah, very, very well said as always. Absolutely. Very, very well said, right on point. And I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Um, let's put a Hunter. Hunter, go ahead. How you doing, uh, Rory? So before I uh, start anything, I, you know, I actually talked to Rod. You worked for the Trump campaign, and you, you're very close family yeah. friends growing up with the Biden. So you, you, know, you know both. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But wait, before I go anything, I actually talked to Roger Stone not too, too long ago. And I, before I forget, and then he, he, honestly, uh, he is broke. He's got no money, and he really needs money. Uh, if, if there's anybody listening that would like to contribute, make sure you go to www.stonedefensefund.com. Uh, help Roger That's out. That's another crazy situation. Him. Talk about a guy that didn't do anything wrong, and they might make now, him spend I've the rest of his life in prison. I've talked to I've talked to Roger on many occasions. I consider him a friend. He's actually was my mentor on, on a lot of things, uh, getting me through politics. Uh, and what, what they what the what they're doing to him and his family is, is absolutely disgusting. Uh, it's very very sad situation. I mean, I know Roger. Roger. One of the things that Roger always taught everybody is when you're in politics, go all the way up towards. Don't do anything illegal, but do it right below where it's illegal. I mean, he's very, he's very good at his job, but he, one of the rules is he's never do, never do anything illegal. And, and that's why I was extremely disappointed and shocked that the, the FBI did what they did, they did to him. And I just want to make sure that we get that across on your radio show because I promised Roger I would uh, uh, give him a little bit of a plug uh, any time I'm on the air for anything. So I just wanted to make sure I do that before I go any further. Um, but I took some notes. Um, yes, to Biden. You know, this is the, I want to loop everything together. I took a lot of notes. One, Virginia, I worked in the state party. In addition to working for uh, uh, the, uh, President Trump on his campaign in 2016, but the state parties uh, are a total disaster throughout the, the country. And it's really bad. And uh, after, you know, I, I do consulting, and one of my big areas was Virginia. So I understand Virginia politics very, very well. I studied it for three, four months, oh, different d- demographics there. Their biggest issue is the state party. The state party there is ran, run by George W. Bush Republicans. These are people that care about seeing their fat asses at galas and White House events rather than kicking ass and winning elections. And that's the biggest problem, in, you know, with the state parties all over. I mean, we have it in Delaware. Delaware is a complete and total disaster. You know, our, our chairwoman is, is a friend of Joe Biden. You know, it, it, this is, and, and, and so we, you know, I, I, two or three people came to me and said, hey, I went to the Virginia GOP and said, hey, I want to run for office. And, uh, the Virginia GOP said, oh, we have somebody running in that position. 
Yesterday we find out no one was running in that position as a Republican. They don't care about winning. They, they, they care about succeeding Trump. There are Republicans that do not want Donald Trump to succeed. And I think that's a big reason why you saw Virginia go uh, blue yesterday. And also what Michael said before, a lot of uh, federal employees are moving into outside of Virginia, and it's not the, – the demographics are changing there. Uh, but uh, honestly, you have poor leadership. Why would you want to run for office if the party isn't strong? Uh, I think that's one of the biggest points that I wanted to come across. But going to Kentucky, I'm going to relate this to Joe Biden. Uh, you know, uh, yes, Matt Bevins, I think, was very popular among the Republican Party and Libertarians. And a lot of people, not only in, in Kentucky, I think throughout the country, he spoke at CPAC. I've met Matt um, uh, many times when I was at CPAC and other events. Great guy and everything. He has a 32% approval rating in Kentucky which is very, very low for governor. So I wasn't so totally shocked that he lost. But this is something that I really think the Democrats really, excuse my French, fuck themselves with. And this is what they think about. <laughs> is, is they totally messed up on this impeachment thing. Because if Joe Biden is not the nominee for the Democrat Party, there is a 100% chance that Donald Trump not only will win the election, will win, the, win an election on the land side. You look at all the public opinion polls, Trump is beating Elizabeth Warren in Michigan, in Wisconsin, Minnesota. He's beating every single one of them. If Biden doesn't win, it's, it really is it's over. They have no shot. So I don't understand why the DNC and the Democrats are so hell-bent on bringing this impeachment, when it's really it's hurting Joe Biden, because a lot of Joe Biden's dirt's coming out. Now, the reason I think... Uh, a bigger indicator of that, about this issue of Biden actually, uh, you know, if he's not the nominee, you know, Trump's going to win, is the Kentucky governor, the new Kentucky governor, governor-elect, was a moderate Democrat, and he saw that there was a lot of people went over and switched over and obviously voted for him, meaning that, listen, if there's a moderate Democrat that runs against Trump, he's going to have a tough, uh, you know, a tough time. And look what's happening. Joe Biden is falling through – Maybe beating Trump today, it's who wins the primary that will represent the Democrat Party. And right now, in my opinion, the Judge, Judge, uh, Elizabeth Warren, which Trump is beating them oh, almost every background state. You're cutting out just a little bit. So I'm in a bad, I don't know if it's a bad. Donald Trump beat every single one of them. That, you know, it's a, it's a big reason why I think people are freaking out about this Kentucky thing. But honestly, it shows more that the Democrats not only are going to have to do it politically, but I think battleground-wise, they're going to get crushed. Um, I also uh, wanted to uh, also put in the whistleblower thing. So, yeah, so um, I, I, I think his name's Eric, uh, number one. Uh, he works for Joe Biden. Uh, he was one of Joe Biden. And not only this, I've talked to some people – he, he is very good friends with Joe Biden. Very good friends with Joe Biden. Uh, he was one of the – and honestly, who do I blame for this, for this whole thing? And I'm sad to say, but the people that work in the Trump campaign that have big heads that are at the White House now are the ones to blame for this because they did not do a good job on filtering out traitors and people that continually leak to the media. Uh, I, I, it drives me insane that they continually just throw people in to fill in positions. What happened is this guy was at the White House, and he went over 
Uh, he stayed at the White House, and he continued to work at the White House. And I guess none of the Trump people realized what kind of, you know, no one dug on him or what is that. You speak that there are some people in the White House, I think the president knows this, I think uh, Kellyanne Conway knows this, I think you all know it, is um, there are people at the RNC put in there that, that are not there for the president. I, I'm not going to say his name, but I, had, I was in a meeting at the RNC, and some guy said, we just keep our head down around here. We don't really like Trump. That's what they're saying at the RNC. So there's people at the RNC that aren't supportive of Trump, and that's why I think people saw this guy in there and probably looked the other way. I'm not surprised uh, this whole thing uh, happened. But he's not a, he, he was Trump's number – I mean, I'm sorry. He was Joe Biden's number one man for Ukraine. He was, he was yeah. in charge of Ukraine for the vice president. Uh, I just think that is just – it's shocking uh, yeah. that – that he would even have a position. And the last thing I want to touch on before I, before I let yeah. you go here is oh, two more things, actually. One, uh, Bloomberg, again, going to hurt Joe Biden. Uh, Bloomberg's a moderate. In my eyes, he's a moderate. It's only going to hurt Joe Biden. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody from the Trump campaign made that phone call and got him to go in because I think it's, I think it's only going to lower Biden's numbers. I think, it's, I think, honestly, I believe it's a plan to get Biden out of the race. Uh, and, yeah. and honestly, I, you know, I talked, I heard from Dick Morris, and Dick Morris said on Fox News the other night that if Biden drops that, you're cutting out. And don't worry, she's Hillary. Hillary Clinton is eyeing up the 2020 race if Biden drops out. Uh, the last thing is uh, Donald Trump Jr. Uh, touched on this today on the View, which was an extraordinary interview. You have to watch it. It, it was, it was yeah. very thought great, um, but. ABC, so ABC uh, contacted CBS to fire yeah. the person that leaked the Project Veritas video of Jesus. Amy Rojbar, uh leaking that ABC threw away some of the conspiracy yeah. uh, evidence that Jerry had all this dirt on the Clintons. Uh, and just right. it's very it's just, it's crazy. I'm I, you know I get to tell you now. What a crazy week um, yeah. this week. And the last thing I want to congratulate my people. Uh, I have some friends that work really hard, but the, the vice president visited New Hampshire today, and the Trump campaign officially uh, signed papers that he is on the ballot for the primary in New Hampshire. It was a big day. The vice president actually went to New Hampshire to sign off, um, and a lot of the Trump team was there. It was, uh, I hear it was really, really cool. So I think, all, honestly, I feel like we're winning. I think things are, are looking good. Poll numbers are looking yeah. good. Uh, you know, yeah. so to talking to people around the country, it looks good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to Chris Bray. I'll go to you, and then I'm going to take a commercial, and then we're going to introduce Omar Quadrat, and I'm very excited to have him on, as well as we'll be having a Daphne Barack on after that. So big show tonight, a lot of great people coming on. But uh, Chris Bray, go ahead, in Texas. And you'll be, you'll be running for uh, yeah, really? running for Congress, uh, he told me. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Okay. Uh, one of your earlier callers uh, or one of your earlier speakers, I agree with completely. The gentleman that was uh, uh, talking about the Kentucky race specifically, yeah. I grew up in Kentucky. I spent my, my whole uh, adolescent life there, undergraduate degree yeah. from Western Kentucky University. So I know a lot about Kentucky. I was on the phone the other night with my cousin when the uh, results were coming in. And the fact yeah. of the matter is, you know, we swept, aside from the governor, 
The Republicans swept that state. Now, the Democrats want to tell that story slightly differently, but at the end of the day, it, you know, you can read the truth. Bevin uh, was actually a, a fence guy. He, he wasn't popular, and unfortunately, in, in an election year, he attacked Kentucky teachers and their pensions and when they went on strike. And that's not a thing that you do if you plan to win an upcoming election. And I do believe Trump brought him further than he would have come on his own by far. You know, Kentucky is a Republican state, and I fully believe that in 2020, Trump will carry Kentucky just like he did in uh, 2016, without a doubt. <clears throat> now, turning to the issue down in uh, Mexico, I just saw something on Twitter that I thought that was very funny. Uh, somebody suggested that we should, to solve the Mexican cartel problem, we should send uh, Beto O'Rourke down there to collect up all the Beto. cartel's guns. Yeah, go, yeah, Beto, go take all the guns from him, Mr. Tough Guy, toy it, boy, it, Beto. It, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You're going to give up those guns. That's, we're going to send Beto down there to round them Hell up. Hell yeah, we're going to take your yeah. AR-15. Yeah. Yeah, you and I both out here in Arizona, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm uh, just a, a short ways from Douglas. And, you know, so this event occurred less than 100 miles away from me. And, you know, in our regular Republican Party meetings that we have here in Cochise County, uh, Sheriff Mark Daniels, who who maintains a firm grip on this area down here and prevents all this stuff, he's telling us about the cartel stuff that goes on down there all the time and the, and the border issues. And anybody who wants to deny the need for a, a border fence is literally out of their mind. They're just, they're not facing any kind of reality. You know, I just want to say in, in 2020, you know, the Republicans, despite this impeachment issue uh, that's going on, that's just good. That's going to be in the noise range soon enough. We all know it's not going anywhere in the Senate. The Democrats are simply hoping that they can convince a few people to cause a problem, uh, you, you know, for Trump. But I, I just don't, I don't see how that's even going to happen, how that can even be possible. You know, he's going to, th there's not a Democratic candidate that we all know that makes any sense and has any kind of platform, you know, that's viable uh, as a president. I mean, a $52 trillion Medicare for all by, by Warren, if that's their hero of the Democratic Party, that doesn't even have a starting point. Most people don't even know what $52 trillion looks like. You know, our annual revenue here in the United States is approximately $3.5 trillion annually. So you're talking 10-plus years worth of revenues. Where are you going to get that money from? You know, you'd have to tax everybody and tax this significantly. And, and I just don't see it coming to fruition. I mean, anybody who passed basic high school math knows that that doesn't add up. It's simply not possible. You know, I watched Trump last night on Hannity uh, down in uh, Louisiana, and I, I firmly believe that when they come to vote, uh, that that's going to go in the win column for the Republicans. Over. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with you 100%, and you're absolutely right. And we're dealing uh, – yeah, and this whole 2020 is going to come, and it's really – I think it's going to strongly backfire on the Democrats. I think we're going to be going to be more more powerful than ever come 2020. And 
you know, this this whole um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to do a comparison to how the Democrats have really brainwashed uh, some Americans, a, a good part of Americans, and they're good at that. They're good at at a narrative. But when you peel back the onion and you look at the facts, because I have a friend of mine, uh, you know, long story short. Uh, any of you who ever used to like Quiznos subs and Quiznos subs pretty much don't exist anymore. He, uh, I used to be president of our franchisee association in Quiznos, and there was corruption going on in that organization, and we brought a national class action lawsuit against them, and that's pretty much why they don't exist today. But uh, a guy who joined me in that fight, you know, he's on the other side of the fence with me now, uh, he favors the Democrats, and we have these debates all the time on Facebook and other mediums, and I'm like, you got to look at the facts. If you peel back the onion and you look at the facts and everything that the Democrats are putting out, it's just a bunch of fluff. It's a bunch of stories. It's a narrative that you, you can't tie to any truth. And when you start peeling it back and then you find out about these these attorneys that were planning this coup and the and the FBI and all those bad actors in the deep state i mean you it's undeniable that that they planned to get rid of trump from from the day he was inaugurated even before then so you know they had the plan in place in case he won and anybody who would deny that you you live in an alternate world from from where i live yeah i agree I agree 100%. Absolutely. Uh, Everybody, we're going to take a quick, quick commercial, real quick, uh, and we'll be right back with Omar uh, Quadra. I'm very excited to talk to him. Lived a great life, amazing uh, resume. Uh, It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. We'll be right back. Stay with us. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. 
When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people add changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. Everybody, I hope your night is going very well. Uh, the weekend is almost here. It's a really good feeling. Um, I'm here live in Phoenix, Arizona. Beautiful night, about 80 degrees. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show, though. Very excited to have him on. Uh, we have with us right now, uh, I believe he's with us, we have former political advisor to the NATO ambassador, former Department of Defense counterterrorism prosecutor, and also uh, I believe he ran for Congress as well in California, Omar uh, – am I pronouncing your last name right? Quadrat? Did I pronounce it right? Hey, that was pretty close, Rory. Thanks a lot. Great great to be on with the Omar Kadrat. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. All right. Man, great to have you here. Uh, I, I love your work. Uh, big fan of yours. Uh, you've been around for quite some time. Uh, you've done a lot of great things in the, in the political industry. But uh, for people that don't know, uh, your first time here, like I do with all my guests, please tell us a little bit about yourself, a bio, how it all started for you, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, well, again, thanks for having me on. So uh, the way it all started was I'm the the son of immigrants. Uh, I'm the son of immigrants from Afghanistan. I was born and raised in Southern California. Uh, My parents, uh, strong Reagan Republicans uh, who taught me and my two older sisters to uh, be willing to fight and die for this country. Uh, This is the greatest country on earth. Uh, So I'm also an officer in the U.S. Army Reserve. Uh, Grew up and lived with failed policies. Thank you. Uh, the credit goes out to our operators out there on duty and have to watch. Um, live the failed policies that I've been uh, opposing my whole life. You know, I'm, I'm a native of Southern California. Uh, California is the greatest example of the failed experiment of the policies that I think uh, a lot of the listeners uh, that you have tonight uh, are working hard to try to oppose. If you want to know how things end up, all you got to do is look at California with the uh, the debt um, being over uh, over a trillion, including uh, unfunded liabilities, a homelessness crisis that uh, is a domestic humanitarian crisis. No one wants to call it that, but that's what it is. You got people dying on the streets, communicable diseases spreading, um, and so that you know, my formative years were just looking around. Uh, you know, basically the worst education, public education system. In the country, and I went through that public education system before going to UCLA and then law school and so forth. But, um, you know, the question uh, we ask ourselves, I think, is uh, why won't things improve with this formula that's being offered as the alternative? I grew up with with minorities, um, basically all minorities, and I'm seeing generation after generation of minorities experiencing failure uh, in cities that are run top to bottom by uh, the kinds of politicians that we oppose. So. Uh, that was my perspective, and then you know, after law school, I uh, I was doing some work uh, in private equity after a uh, internship with um, a program, a business program, uh, but decided to join the Department of Defense. We were on the cusp of the surge in Afghanistan. I felt the need to do something. 
contribute whatever small uh, part I could have in in, uh, in that challenge. Uh, so I joined the Department of Defense. Uh, I was a civilian official. I was in Afghanistan for 18 months during the surge as Deputy Chief of Rule of Law and political advisor to the NATO ambassador. Uh, and then um, after that, got to be a prosecutor on uh, counterterrorism uh, cases and, and got to support uh, cases that include uh, the uh, USS coal bombing uh, case, the alleged mastermind against the USS uh, coal bombing, uh, and uh, the alleged mastermind of the 9-11 uh, attacks. And, uh, you know, I had a humble support role. The, um, the recognition goes to the folks who are at the tip, tip of the spear on on that effort. And then uh, ended up back in California. So I'm, time to come home. Uh, I've been away from home for a very long time. And uh, got back and uh, was loving life, you know, the beach uh, around my family af- after so many years. And I thought, hey, how could I mess my life up? Let me run for Congress. And so, uh, you know, um, jokes aside, it was an amazing experience. Uh, it, it, it gives you an education and it gives you an appreciation for uh, what ordinary people go through because you're engaging with so many of them on a daily basis. And uh, I was proud to win a six-way Republican primary was a GOP nominee. Uh, it's a it's an honor I'll never uh, never forget, and and it'll never dissipate. Uh, I mean, carrying the flag of the party of Abraham Lincoln, being the official voice to project and communicate uh, our party's uh, position, uh, was was an honor of a lifetime. Uh, so I'm a Republican in coastal Southern California. Uh, I'm an attorney, and uh, you know I'm I'm still um, uh, outspoken about what matters to us. Wow, Omar, it's quite quite the resume. Very very impressive. You know, I, I want to want to just kind of go back a little bit, and you know, wow. I mean, l- let's start off with the ambassador to NATO. I mean, uh, you know, we see how many how how corrupt NATO is. I mean, there's a lot of issues with NATO, uh, especially other countries not paying their fair share. You know, I mean, there's different examples. But how was your experience there? Uh, you know, elaborate on that. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I, I was an advisor to. Um... Ambassador Simon Gass, and uh, we had 28 at the time, 28 NATO countries, now there's 29, but all 28 NATO countries on the ground in Afghanistan, plus uh, a number of other partner nations. So when I was there, 50 plus uh, partner nations, uh, the first thing I'll say is I don't want to be dismissive about the fact that we've had NATO partners um, fight and die shoulder to shoulder with us uh, on the ground and in places for many years. Um, I will also uh, not be shy in saying that the political leadership of a lot of European countries uh, need to get with uh, the program of of their own self-defense. So, you know, this whole uh, commitment of 2%, being a NATO member, 2% of your GDP uh, has to go towards your own own national defense. So not our national defense, right? It's defend your, your own country. Uh, so I, I fully support the the increase of pressure or, you know, any reasonable right. way to get NATO countries yeah. to to contribute right. to their own defense, especially as they're complaining about uh, what Russia's activities look like in Eastern Europe. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question. I, 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 I'm, you seem very pleased and satisfied with how Trump has been very tough on these uh, NATO countries to pay their fair share because, I mean, for the longest time, we've been taking advantage of. 
anything, look, I, there are people who criticize the way he did it. You know, he's insulting allies. They, they call it different things. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not necessarily uh, for just gratuitously putting people down for no reason, but when it results in an increase of hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, that hopefully, if obviously, if it's spent effectively, will strengthen NATO and get, get NATO countries committed to their own defense so that the United States uh, doesn't really have to be the 100% uh, actor of NATO in terms of um, really being the core of, of the security. So we, we have some European nations that really get it, and they're doing uh, a really great job, and they're, they're there with us. You know, wherever we are, um, they're there. Uh, but uh, we, Europe, I think, has gotten – some of their countries have gotten a little bit out of touch with reality. Uh, and you see that when you hear criticisms coming out of capitals against the United States for a lot of things. But you know, meanwhile, um, some of these European countries uh, like France, it's, it's, we have intricate, uh, intricate levels of interest that are enmeshed with one another while we're trying to uh, counter Iran and diminish their uh, global – activities um, that create instability uh, all over and uh, including their activities in Venezuela and our hemisphere uh, where they have Hezbollah operatives um, in Venezuela. They're destabilizing nations across regions. Um, uh, you got European countries that, that you know, don't really want to um, in a serious way join this coalition uh, to counter um, Iran. And so uh, Russia's, Russia's a, a country that wants to, back Iran up. Uh, they want to diminish um, the, uh, the West's ability to uh, build a strong political coalition against Iran. So we got a lot of issues with Europe. Uh, Russia is trying to control uh, Europe's uh, energy uh, corridors. And uh, as you know, as you may know, Russia's natural resources account for 80% of their total exports and over half of their tax revenue. And so energy is really important to them. That's why Russia is you know, sending nuclear capable bombers to Venezuela and our hemisphere and, and trying to maintain control over Maduro, uh, Venezuela being an OPEC, uh, you know, petroleum exporting country. Uh, so, you know, again, Europe has a really important role to play. Uh, we hope that Europe, uh, some, some of the European countries that just don't seem like they're in touch with reality will, will start to um, start to understand things a little bit better. And if, if we can help them understand things uh, as the United States of America a little bit better, then yeah, I, I fully support that. Amen, man. Amen. I you know, I love it. I love everything you're saying, and, and you're right on point with with everything. And uh, here here's a big thing that I read about you. You've had quite the career in law, and I you know I was reading that you were a prosecutor for some of the hardcore you know terrorist people involved with 9/11, people in Guantanamo Bay. I mean, you've dealt with some of the big people. I I've had um I've been lucky. Um I've I've really been lucky to have. Uh, leaders be willing to uh, let me, you know, play a small role on, on a staff to support um, some of these really important missions. But yeah, I've, I've spent, spent quite a bit of time in Guantanamo, um, spent quite a bit of time on the ground in Afghanistan and other countries uh, representing the United States, uh, working on counterterrorism issues. And one very simple takeaway is um, I, I just wish all Americans knew how cunning and patient and brilliant uh, these, this enemy is. Uh, you know, radical Islamic terrorism is a real threat. Uh, just, you know, we should not underestimate uh, these 
these guys, um, and as some people do, just on the basis of their appearance or, you know, look at these guys, what are they going to do? They're wearing sandals and they, you know, look like they're illiterate and uh, what have you. Uh, this is a, this is a real threat. It's going to persist. And, and uh, you know, with, with what we should celebrate and, and I wish all American media accurately reported the, uh, the killing of the ISIS leader, um, and as ISIS uh, members watch the last remaining vestiges of the terrain that they control disappear uh, out of their grasp, uh, it's important that we know and remember that there's an ideological component um, aside from the military domain, which is very important, and we have to decisively beat our enemies there. But the ideological component is going to continue, and um, we gotta we gotta get after the cyber component. Uh, you gotta. Uh, be clear-eyed about the fact that many of the attacks that have taken place in dozens of countries, Western countries, um, including in the United States of America, did not require someone to leave their homeland, go to Syria and rally with people and train and physically get indoctrinated, you know, in a, in a room with people. Um, there are some people who just got radicalized online and, and never traveled to any country to uh, get indoctrinated and get trained. Uh, and so while the military domain, we've, we've made extraordinary gains, uh, and I wish, uh, you know, outlets like the Washington Post would, wouldn't do what they did, which is honor the ISIS leader with their obituary headline calling him a religious scholar uh, instead of um, what he is. Uh, we, we have to stay focused on this ideological war. I agree. I agree. And, you know, we're dealing with a lot of, 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 it's crazy times right now. I mean, we're seeing what's going on in the Middle East. We're seeing what's, you know, all these different terrorism acts. And, and I want to ask you a few things because you know this pretty well. I mean, you know, you've dealt with some of the, for people that don't know, I mean, you, you dealt with some of the people that were involved with 9-11. You dealt with people that, some of the worst terrorists that are in Guantanamo Bay. Uh, you've, you've been all over the map. Yeah, and I, I want more Americans to um, to raise their hand and, and, and join the government, especially uh, those Americans or young people who are, feel discontentment and, and they're complaining. If you have a problem with our foreign policy, join the State Department. Be a diplomat. If you have an issue with our military uh, activity and policy, join the military. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. you're, you're, we're all stakeholders. You're part of this country. Uh, help help the team if you think that there's an issue, but get closer to it and and you get some experience. You get lucky enough to get some experience and see things up close and personal and understand the world in, in ways that you wouldn't otherwise. And you're just you know acquiring most of your information on social media, uh, whereas other people are just kind of taking the initiative and trying to get that experience and getting out there. But um, you know, looking at it, um, you know, to to respond directly, yeah, I. I the the fortune of being able to have been in the places that I've been is getting such a uh, a kind of real grasp of our national security and foreign policy challenges, and then it makes you a little bit more demanding on what kind of person you think should lead our country. It makes you a little bit more demanding on what types of people you want leading in Congress, and it also makes you very aware that there are so many people calling themselves leaders, uh, members of Congress who just, our enemies could run circles around them. Uh, they just don't get it. They are not up to these challenges, uh, and they never will be. 
Yeah, yeah, and and, and here here's here's the problem, I and mean, you know we're seeing you know what's going on in Iran, and you know we're seeing all these radicals to a, to a whole new level uh, with their with their extreme views and the way they're acting. I mean we're seeing all these different terrorist attacks. What what do you see as the future with Iran? I mean they're one of the countries that uh, I mean it just came out today. They are the leading nation in terror as of now. And uh, they keep threatening the U.S. and and Trump doesn't want to go to war, but uh, if it comes to it, he's not gonna, he, you know, he's not gonna be a a wimp and back down if these people keep trying to, you know, mess with us. And they've done these small little things like take down our drones and then try to, I think they were involved with one of our ships. I mean, there's just been different things where they try to poke, uh, they're poking the bear. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, let's play the, place Iran in context. And so our vital national security interests and, and, you know, a lot of our conversations in, regarding national security should start with that. What is our vital national security interest? we got to prevent a nuclear-capable Iran. I, I think our government's been pretty clear that we will not accept a nuclear-capable Iran, and I think all Americans should support that policy. Uh, so nuclear capability is very important. And then, of course, the related ICBM capability, Intercontinental Ballistic Missile Program, Iran has is very aggressive, and that means, you know, that would be essentially the transporter of of, of what they want to send over, um, and they want to go longer range, uh, and there are reports that China is helping them with that ICBM program. Uh, that's something we have a serious interest in, and, and we want to deter that as well. Uh, and then they're engaged, as you pointed out, in terrorist activity uh, all over, they're they're destabilizing regions, and they're uh, they're involved in Venezuela. Um, they uh, have a war that they're supporting in Yemen. They're supporting the Houthis. They're stoking instability to the east of Saudi Arabia and Bahrain, in addition to, as I mentioned, Yemen to the south of of, of Saudi Arabia. Uh, they're running Hezbollah, uh, not just in Lebanon, but uh, Iran and and Iranian forces in Hezbollah are now in Syria, and they're, you know close to the Golan Heights. And so that threatens Israel very much and and tensions are rising there. Um, And I'll get to answering, placing that in context and answering where do we go? Where do we think we're going with Iran? Um, They killed uh, countless Americans. Iran killed countless Americans in Iraq during our war there and they're still active there. They're active in Afghanistan. And so that's just to add a little color to, this is a very active group. It's not just Theory. They uh, that they're interested in developing satellite states. Um, they want to create a, uh, instability and have command and control all over the world, uh, but stay out of the jaws of the United States or any world power. And so the way they're doing that is, you know, kind of more in the gray war space, not black and white conventional confrontation, uh, cyber right. warfare, uh, and and so forth. Um, but but we got to keep our eye on what's going on with uh, Iran and Israel. Israel feels uh, very threatened by Iran, and uh, Iran and as as obviously they use very strong words. Uh, but being in Syria and then wanting to place munitions capability on Syrian terrain uh, as an objective of what Iran wants to do obviously threatens Israel very much. Their proximity, aside from the fact that Iran already can turn Hamas on and off like a light switch and, and uh, set the pace for attacks in Israel as well. So I think uh, one big question, uh, and I'll kind of close the loop with this, is if Israel and, and Iran did end up in a military confrontation, what would that look like? And what would the United States do? And what would Russia do? Uh, what would Russia be willing to do? And 
Uh, I happen to think that Russia is on a very focused and disciplined global uh, policy pursuit of expanding their economic and political power, and that they're not going to get stumbled and sucked into a confrontation with the United States just because Iran uh, got pulled into a debacle with Israel. Uh, but it's something we got to be ready for. Uh, you know, foreign affairs and and conflicts uh, they they happen sometimes in in ways that are unintended, unpredictable. Uh, Iran uh, number one, prevent a nuclear capable Iran. ICBM program, uh, we got to deter that capability, and then uh, try to uh, try to push them back from their terrorist activity. Uh, around the world, and 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 again, going back to Europe. Ho- hopefully, European countries will uh, be a little bit more forthcoming and aggressive in trying to diminish Iran's uh, malign influence around the world. Absolutely, absolutely, spot on. That, I mean, that was perfect. Absolutely perfect. And you know, how how do you view uh, the future of terrorism? I mean, you're you're a specialist in the in the terror field, and you know exactly what what it entails, how it goes down. What do, you, what do you see? I mean, what do you see as the future? I mean, with ISIS trying to assimilate their culture in America, uh, all these different radical groups, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts? I think uh, we have to look at new technologies and then our critical infrastructure uh, and not just uh, think about this in the military domain where we're uh, bombing people and, you know, blasting people up uh, with rifles. Uh, the cyber domain is somewhere that terrorism uh, can thrive in terms of directing or inspiring attacks. And then our critical infrastructure um, uh, in our homeland, we have to really focus on that vulnerability. Uh, our, our critical infrastructure is is key to, to our security. And uh, unfortunately, in the, in the kind of era that we're getting into, uh, some people call it asymmetric warfare or, you know, gray war, or, you know, unconventional kind of uh, um, activities and warfare. It's not just going to be a situation that looks like World War II when, when we go to war. In the meantime, you have groups like terrorist groups that are, you know, plotting to, to commit major uh, damage or uh, plots that are going to involve our critical infrastructure and could, could hurt a lot of innocent people, our, our water, our, our electricity, uh, the, yeah. their use of the cyber domain. Um, so, you know, I think, I think we need more of the public consciousness to go in the direction of the future because that's, uh, as we've seen, ISIS was so, so effective at using the Internet uh, to be able to recruit and uh, be able to communicate and influence um, and to actually direct and inspire attacks. Uh, so, you know, instead of answering the question about some of the basics, which all your listeners, I think, are pretty keen on, I, I just wanted to highlight um, the the kind of future and, and the direction of critical infrastructure, uh, asymmetric warfare, and uh, the cyber domain, and, and make sure that we're, we're equally and, and very aggressively focused on that and preventing terrorism. Wow, amazing, amazing stuff. You know, you know your stuff very well, man. It's very impressive. You know, I, I was going to ask you. So, what what is the in the future uh, for your career? What, what do you? I know you ran uh, for Congress. I know you've done all this different stuff. I mean, what what does the uh, future hold for Omar? 
Well, I'm I'm an I'm an attorney, but look, being uh, not having a political campaign to run, I, let me tell you, uh, it is not hard to adjust to happiness. You know, freedom is a beautiful <laughs> thing. It's great to be able to spend time with you know your family and 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 so forth. So I, I don't have any plans to to run at the moment. Um, I, I'm enjoying being a private citizen. I'm still involved in things that I care about. I'm a delegate of the California uh, Republican Party. And uh, I stay active uh, in, in things that I care about. Uh, for now, you know, I'll I'll try to you know talk to you, uh, Rory, and and make sure that I'm staying connected uh, with the people and and part of the conversation. Uh, and in the meantime, you know, I'll do what I can from the ground here in Southern California uh, to try to make our union more perfect, uh, make sure that the Constitution is protected. And, and not violated uh, instead by our public officials and, and try to be a voice of reason as we, as we head into the next election. I love it, man. I love it. And uh, you know, it's, um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a very interesting, this next election cycle. And uh, it's, it's going to, it's going to predict our entire future, you know, 2020. I mean, this is definitely the most important election of our lifetime. Uh, tell everybody uh, any any upcoming projects, anything to announce, and also tell everybody where they can connect with you as well. I, I will have uh, an announcement. We'll, I'll be launching a national initiative in the next couple months. And for now, I'm going to ask everyone to follow me on Twitter. I'm at, at uh, Omar Kudrat1, O-M-A-R-Q-U-D-R-A-T-1. And, uh, you know, before I ran for Congress, uh, my mom told me, hey, you know, I know you don't have the most usual last name. You know, if you want to change your uh, your last name, uh, you know, we won't be offended. I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, you know, I'm laughing. So what do you think? Well, my mom told me to change my last name to Kennedy before I ran for Congress. But uh, I say that because, as you know, your listeners are probably trying to write down Omar Kadrat 1. It just reminded me of that funny moment, me and my mom joking around. But Omar Kadrat 1 uh, probably have not uh, – probably no other Republican with that name out there and – you know, one last thing I'll highlight being from Southern California, uh, the narrative and, and tying it to the election. This is uh, this is going to be an election that involves narratives more than it does facts or information, right? No surprise. Unemployment, record low. Uh, but, right, who cares? Who cares that we have record low unemployment for minorities in recorded history? Uh, veterans being taken care of better, military getting stronger, um, you know, Looks like no one, you know, I'm not going to say no one, but a lot of people seem to not care about that, and it's going to be about narratives. Uh, but it was a pretty amazing experience for me because I'm, I'm a son of son of immigrants from Afghanistan, uh, American Muslim, uh, the GOP nominee for U.S. Congress, and the left just had no idea what to do with me. They were like probably having strategy meetings. What do we do with this guy? Uh, what do we say? Uh, and it was it's. The the narrative it's so ridiculous, you know, from the perspective of someone who is a son of immigrants, where just asking, calling for security, border security, uh, is, is yeah. something that risks being accused of being a, a racist and so forth. Uh, but I thought I'd just give you a little bit of Southern California reality um, from a minority who grew up with Latinos and African Americans who had a great time being the GOP nominee uh, representing. Our constitutional values. Absolutely, absolutely. And Omar, I could I could talk to you all day, man. I love having you on my show. Uh, I really appreciate appreciate you coming on. I really want to get you back here soon. 
uh, it's it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks thanks so much for having me on. Looking forward to speaking with you again. Absolutely, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. Uh, we'll be right back, everybody, with Daphne Barak. Very excited to have her on. Um, stay with us. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaysSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back, the Rory Sodder Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 different countries and nearly 70 online platforms. Everybody, it's a beautiful, beautiful night. I do want to introduce the show. I'm very excited to have her on with us. We have with us right now nationally syndicated interviewer, political commentator, executive producer, and best-selling author, Daphne Barak. Daphne, how are you? I'm very well, Rory. How are you? Doing very well. Great to have you with us. Um, your first time on the show. And by the way, my, my, little... husband and I, my husband and I do know Omar. 
he came to ask for our help uh, when he ran for Congress. I think he's uh, exceptionally talented, and I'm very glad that you had him. Yeah, I loved, I loved having him on, and it was his first time on the show. But your first time on, never had you on before. Tell us a little bit about yourself, a bio for, for everybody that, that doesn't, doesn't know. Okay. They say that I'm the most internationally, not nationally, internationally syndicated interviewer. I reach half a billion viewers and videos on a regular basis in the biggest uh, dozen markets, whether it's uh, Great Saudi Arabia, Italy, Australia, 60 Minutes, uh, UK, Sunday Times, ITV, uh, Israel, Turkey, uh, of course, America. Uh, so... Uh, I've done that since I was 20, so I came to America, Rupert Murdoch, uh, owner of Fox, brought me there to be the interviewer of Fox 5, and I also uh, signed a deal with New York Post and Daily News, so it became a cross-promotion. Then, uh, circling uh, 15 years later, uh, I became a partner of Rupert Murdoch's daughter, Liz Murdoch, for many big special like Michael Jackson, Liza Minnelli, Eric Clapton, you, uh, you've seen all of them here. We preempted primetime uh, 2020, Dateline, uh, 48 hours. Uh, so I do have special all the while in the world. And then in the last few years, I also started to pen books. Uh, my first book, Saving Amy, with Amy Winehouse became a blockbuster. It was based on my six months filming with her, which won a lot of awards and top ratings. And the film inspired by its message won an Oscar. So um, that's my fifth book. Uh, it's called uh, um, A To Please or Not To Please, The Story of Free Gates and the Mueller Investigation. It's published uh, this month, both by U.S. Center Street, which is entitled by Ashet, and the number one nonfiction publisher in Australia, New Holland, which published New uh, Saving Amy. It's also coming in U.K. Uh, uh, very soon. So um, I hope everybody would read it and learn uh, not only politically political lessons, but it's also a very humane drama, which could happen to any of us, and hopefully not to you, to me, to any of your listeners, but it's a very painful uh, drama to be caught in such a big investigation and your life interrupted forever. Rory? Rory? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, there was a connection issue for one second. Now I'm back. But this this book is amazing. It, it really it really is. And and you talk about the Mueller investigation. You talk about the witch hunt. It really is a big mess. And how it, it's just it's insane, isn't it? I mean, could you imagine, Rory, that uh, we spend like more than thirty million dollars uh, to investigate, quote unquote. Uh, interference of the 2016 uh, investigations, did it happen or not, then we ended up with indictments of all kinds of things which are so unrelated to to that topic. I mean, Paul Manafort and Rick Gates, the first two big indictments, 
they were charged about anything related to what they did or didn't do in Ukraine, 2010, 2011, 12, 13, 14. The president they worked for there in Ukraine was ousted in 2014. So as they met Trump in uh, a beginning of 2016, I mean, what does that have to do with anything? And why would you and I and any taxpayer pay $30 million dollars uh, to get these results. I mean, could you explain it to me? Hey, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, enough people don't, don't look at the, the fact of how much money it's costed and how much it's done nothing except lead everybody the wrong way, a bunch of brainwashing, uh, abuse of power. Uh, turns out that, you know, uh, Mueller was supposed to be this big hero for the left, and he, he had nothing. I mean, he even tried to – frame people and he did frame certain people and, and that didn't even work so it's, you know it's it's one of those things and and not only that you know um what i'm revealing first time because it's the first inside investigation what i'm revealing for the first time is that um the Mueller uh, was actually his mandate was to investigate whether there was any interference in the 2016 investigation. And yet, he had two other related small mandates, whether there was obstruction of justice or related uh, a possible investigation. But his initial mandate was to see whether there was any Russian collusion, right? So right. Uh, he indicted uh, Manafort and Wiggate, the first two indictments, big indictment, end of uh, October 2017. By uh, the, the book, by the way, to clear not the plea, his initial name in Australia was uh, 118 days because that's the 118 days that three gays was uh, thinking whether to clear not the plea. Naturally, his initial uh, uh, response was not to plea, of course, to, to fight for the truth. But then, of course, with all the millions that he took and then they double the charge, triple the charge. You know, when the government wants, goes after you, God, God help you, you cannot fight. He had to, to plead. Uh, but yes. basically, uh, at that point, so end of, uh, look at the timeline, end of February 2018, Brigade pleads, and uh, at that point, Mike Flynn already pleads, so that's the two big witnesses, right? And... Um, Suddenly, so of course they asked Mike Flynn and Wiggate, and I'm the first one who was revealing it in the book to clear not to play uh, the Wiggate story. Um, the first uh, thing is, of course, they had met several teams, like the Jared Kushner team, the Don Jr. team. So that's how they basically came back and forth and uh, made sure that nothing leaks. Although between you and I, Rory, when Mueller wanted to leak something, he managed to leak it. But that's how, uh, that was the whole idea. So the, the teams came back and forth to Flynn and to, to Gates and to other one, and they said, okay, uh, was there any Russian collusion? Of course, they wanted them to say there was Russian collusion. Rick Gates, by the way, unlike yeah. what it was reported in the media, at all points said there was no Russian collusion. Even right. when the, the first time he came to, he went to court, he didn't yeah. even have an attorney. He was so surprised right. that there was no Russian collusion. 
at all point he might have not even got the plea deal because they wanted him to say the was. There was no Russian collusion. Yes. So every other every other time that that he was investigated as the others as as they asked him there was there any Russian collusion, he said no. Suddenly at one point, Rory, uh summer two thousand eighteen, they stopped asking about Russian collusion. We're talking about yeah, mid and June. Yeah. They stopped. Right. And and because they knew they could not charge with any Russian collusion. They started to talk about inauguration, foreign money investments, uh, all yeah. that. They continued. Now, what happened Rory, four months later, November 2018? The midterm elections, right? And that's the yeah. time that uh, we went all to vote. And that's the time that Mueller was appointed to investigate whether there was interference in the 2016 elections, actually interfered in the 2018 election because he already knew around June 2018 that there was no Russian collusion. But right. he didn't tell us. He chose not to tell us, right? Why didn't he tell us? Yeah. It's our right. We sponsored his investigation. He was supposed to tell us. So. We were waking up every morning watching CNN, MSNBC, and you know what? Even Fox News. And everybody was under the impression that, oh, my God, Mueller is going to come with uh, big charges against somebody related to Trump, that there was Russian collusion. So the whole country went to vote for for, uh, in November 2018. And, of course, the Republican uh, lost the election. Now, you and I cannot prove that. That was the reason, but right. we, uh, but many of us went to vote under this narrative that oh my God, something is so wrong, so corrupted, so fishy. Mueller is going to charge somebody related uh, close to Trump with Russian collusion, while Mueller had already known three four months ahead that he cannot yeah. charge, he would not charge. And uh, why didn't he tell us? It, it, it's it's uh, it's completely crazy. So basically, the one who interfered in our election is Robert Mueller. And I told President right. Trump, who is a close friend of mine, about it. And, and he suspected about it, but he asked my husband, Bill, and myself, uh, June, right? Then the only other uh, person, because Trump knew about me writing the book and filming. So did Melania. They have been very uh, uh, quiet about it. Melania told him, Donald, don't tweet. And he did not, right? So, you know... When people say he's crazy, he cannot control his tweets. No, no, no. He's not crazy. He's a genius. He does control his tweets. And uh, yeah. basically, basically, uh, the only other person I talked is Kevin McCarty, who's a friend. Yeah, and right. I said, Kevin, you know, and Kevin says to me, oh, my God, I could have been the, the, instead of Nancy Pelosi. They stole our elections. That's why they didn't tell us. And that's why we have the uh, impeachment inquiry, because other, if we didn't have a, a majority for the Democrats in the Congress, would we have all this craziness right now? Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, it's, it's, it really is a crazy time. And, you know, for, for people that don't know, you know, I was, I was reading an article online. You, you brought uh, in California, I mean, you brought Bannon and Trump to California. I mean, you, you were one of the big... Um, orchestrators for I that. Actually I saw a big brought, article about that. I actually that. brought yeah. President Trump to the 2016. Uh, yeah. a, you know, it was only him and Ted Cruz and uh, 
Kasich, I brought him for lunch. Then I brought Ben on uh, for the dinner. Uh, I don't do that. Usually I'm not a booker, but I did it for the people of California, which I was very happy. Both lunch with uh, Trump and dinner with Ben on Soul Like Hell. So I'm very glad that we infueled money. My husband and I also uh, gave a big donation for the Ben on staff. So, uh, I, and of course for the Trump staff. So, uh, I'm very glad. I'm always very happy to support California and, of course, uh, uh, the Republican Party. And how do you how do you explain? I'm, I'm assuming you live in California now. How do you explain the mess there? How, how do you explain? You know, I mean, the homelessness. You know, the communism, <laughs> illegals every, everywhere. Hey, you're, so, you're so smart. You have to talk to my husband. Yes, we do have two homes in California, but we also have other three homes in Houston, Texas, and the other places. Uh, and by the way, Texas is becoming more more uh, blue than red yeah. as we speak, I right? It's sad. It's sad. Uh, it really is sad. I know. I mean, uh, my my home in Houston, Texas, is next to the Bush compound. A beautiful place. I love the people there, but it's changing, right? Uh, uh, yeah, California. Um, my husband actually was joining the Trump administration in a very key role. He just right after his book is out, he wrote a, an amazing book supported by uh, Trump and Mike Pompeo, our friend, uh, about Trump, Erdogan. Erdogan is visiting next week. A uh, very controversial visit. Uh, so he ran for mayor in Palm Springs, the only Republican running there. We took the Democrat out. And uh, so we faced these uh, issues for the first time. Yes, there are lots of homelessness there, um, I guess because of the weather or because uh, the Democrats are so hospitable. It's very dangerous. Also, don't forget, uh, homeless homelessness is not only... A financial issue. It's mental. As a veterans, the it's an issue we have to deal with uh, uh, with lots of compassion, with lots of love, and just solve it. And nobody seems to know how to solve it. It's a mess. I have to tell you. Yes, I'm right now talking to you as I'm driving in California. I just flew back from New York, and uh, do you know how many? How many hours, Rory, are we spending in a car in California? Yeah, traffic. And that's another thing. I mean, there's so many problems in these big places. And a lot of it has to do, I mean, you know, it's the simplest stuff, like not fixing the roads and, you know, taxpayers having to cover the bill for all all this homeless epidemic and, you know, illegals and uh, the power outages is now another thing and the fires. I mean, it doesn't end. Like, California – has more problems than anywhere I've ever seen. And then try to start a business. I have a billionaire friend that just came back from lunch with a couple of billionaire friends of mine in Orange County, and that's why we are driving. And, and uh, try to, to start a business in California. You start a business, suddenly you get a, right. a lawsuits from all kinds of environmental people. You don't yeah. even know who they are. And is then suddenly right. you start incurring millions of dollars of bills just to fight this. Uh, and then, you know, you will never be able to do anything unless you settle. Uh, I mean, it's right. so unwelcoming to business people, right? It's true. It's absolutely true. Um, please, I, I do want to have you back very soon. I do got to run, but please tell everybody 
where they can connect with you and all that good stuff and promote your book and all that good stuff? The name of the book is To Plea or Not To Plea, The Story of Rick Gates and the Mueller Investigation. It's a, In America, it's published by Center Street, which is a title by Ashet. You can buy it on uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes the Nobel, everywhere. It's also a, a television exclusive, CBS exclusive. They kicked it uh, last Tuesday when we started, but of course Fox Business, Fox News is picking it up. And you can also reach me on my Twitter at Daphne Barak, D-A-P-H-N-E-B-A-R-A-K, Daphne Barak Facebook. Um, and I'm very happy to interact with anybody. We have great, great reviews and we have uh, great responses. You'll see me again all over television next week because, as you know, Rory, I'll definitely be happy to come back. Uh, as you know, Rory is a... Roger Stone trial started on Wednesday, two days ago. The key yeah. witness, again, would be Rick Gates. Not because he wanted to. He was forced to do it. He, he was so upset to do it. Uh, it's the third trial that he's uh, forced to testify because the plea deal, that's why we call it to plea or not to plea, the plea deal is so cruel that it's one-sided right. uh, and, you have, uh, and they can walk back on you anytime. You have nothing to say. They walked back on Paul Manafort. They walked back on Papadopoulos. They are about right. probably to walk back on Flynn. And also, it's timeless. I mean, when we decided to put the book right now, uh, both right. Flynn and Rick Gates were supposed to be sentenced like probably months ago, and none of yeah. neither no, nor is sentenced. It's ridiculous. It, it really is ridiculous, and it's a crazy time we're living in. And I, I definitely want to have you back soon. But thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Rory. It's a pleasure. All righty. Absolutely. We'll, we'll have you back soon. God bless you. God bless you as well and your listeners. Thank you so much. Take care. Let's, let's, go, to, let's go to Richard uh, in San Diego, who's running for mayor in San Diego. Richard, how are you? Richard Hansen. Hey, I'm doing great, Rory. How are you doing this evening? Doing well, man. Your thoughts on? I'm sure you got a lot of thoughts. Go ahead. Well, I'll tell you. You know, I was uh, very interested in what your uh, guest had to say, Hunter, uh, regarding the Republican Party. You know, it seems like uh, some of the biggest problems that uh, our president has is not just coming from the Democrats, but from these Republicans that really aren't even backing our president. And you see what's going on with this deep state, and it's like. What uh, Hunter was saying about a lot of these Republicans are just keeping their head down uh, instead of getting out there and helping our president. And I'm thinking, you know, are these guys really Republicans? I mean, what what is it that they're even claiming to be Republicans for? If you're not going to get aboard the Trump train, then you need to get the hell out of the way. You know, our president needs our help, and he needs our help across the country, not just uh, in Washington but all throughout the country, and that's why I'm running for mayor in San Diego as a Trump Republican, not one of these elitist Republicans uh, from the past. And you see how many of these people in the deep state, you know, just listening to what's going on with this impeachment, and, you know, these transcripts are starting to come out. I mean, they've got nothing. I mean, they've got nothing with uh, these, uh, you know, the ambassador and these other uh, people in Ukraine basically going in there with third, fourth party 
information. They don't have direct information. They don't know anything. Uh, the president uh, specifically said there's no uh, quid pro quo, that he's not interested in a quid pro quo. And you listen to what's going on. He's actually done more to help the Ukrainians uh, than Obama had. And it started making me think about, um, you know, when Russia invaded uh, uh, Crimea uh, back, what was it, 2014 or 15, and uh, McCain was making a big deal how we need to fight Russia and get in there, you know, and Obama didn't want to do anything. And I'm thinking, this Ukrainian thing is turning out to be a huge cesspool. You know, not only do you have Biden in there, you know, Joe Biden, uh, you know, basically blackmailing, uh, strong-arming, you know, the uh, the prosecutor there saying, you know, get the hell out of here uh, and drop these charges uh, and fire this prosecutor, or we're going to withhold a billion and a half dollars. Uh, now it turns out with all the papers that are leaking this Burisma, I mean, these guys are just a cesspool of corruption. And I think, that, you know, and I think one of your guests uh, said it, and maybe, maybe it was Hunter or maybe it was somebody else earlier tonight, that this is the worst thing that could happen for Biden is this impeachment. I mean, it, it's like there's, there's two versions of the same story going on. We have the Biden-Hunter corruption. The more they go after Donald Trump, the more the Biden-Hunter corruption is going to come out. And the more that you see what's going on with these diplomats uh, that we sent to uh, Ukraine, they're just really unhappy with, uh, you know, uh, the president's foreign policy. Now, I remember when I was in school taking history, uh, the first thing that we were taught about when a president was elected, that they would fire all the other uh, heads of the departments that were run by the previous administration because they wanted to bring their own people in. The president has a right to have his own diplomats to have his own foreign policy. And these guys are really coming out to the president, not based on any corruption, not based on any crime, not based on any quid pro quo, just based on that they're upset that the president is messing with their little sandbox. Because there is nothing in their testimony, nothing in these transcripts. And I'll tell you, I think it's going to be uh, pretty exciting when these things start to go public. Uh, you know, I guess next week they're going to start having these public hearings. And you just watch these uh, diplomats and their cronies just get the crap beat out of them by the Republicans. And so I hope the Republicans, you know, really stand up for our president uh, while, while he needs it. You know, I, I just think that this uh, they've got this deep stater guy, I guess his name has come out for a while, Eric uh, Karamala. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. But apparently he's a CIA agent, worked with Biden, yeah. worked in the Ukraine. You know, he's a deep stater guy that, that came into the White House to spy on the president of the United States. And, and now they're claiming he's a whistleblower. He doesn't even have any direct information. This guy's not a, a whistleblower. This, this guy is just a patsy that they're uh, putting up as exactly. a whistleblower that, uh, you know, uh, what's this uh, Adam Schiff, Shifty Schiff, uh, is yeah. just really using as a proxy to come after the president. So, you know, it's quite clear, you know, what's going on here. And, and this is what I, I want to say to the Republicans out there. You need to stand up for the president. Yeah, you really yeah, do, yeah. because it's not just for the president, it's for our country. I mean, you look at what's happening in Mexico with these murders in Mexico. And now we've got these, uh, these socialists that want to have open borders. 
you know, we're in San Diego here. I mean, the cartels are just right across the border. Tijuana is the number one murder capital of the world. It's just a few yeah. miles down the road. If we didn't have that wall, if we didn't have that border, San Diego would end up being Tijuana. Believe me, it would take a few days of no wall and just, you know, opening up the border and letting all these cartel people in. And I know you're dealing with it in Arizona. I know New Mexico yeah. deals with it. And apparently they were battling over these routes, you know, coming into Arizona, into Cochise right. County there. You know, the sheriff was very clear. Uh, you know, don't go across the border. I mean, Mexico yeah. is a failed state. And it just seems like they these are. liberal, socialist, radical Democrats support all our enemies, whether it's, you know, Iran, yep. you know, the cartels, ISIS, you know, they want to, you know, give Trump a bad time it's not, it's not, uh, because he calls uh, al-Baghdadi a, a criminal, yeah. right. you know, and a coward. People, no, you're, absolute, you're absolutely right. We, we are running a little low on time, but you're absolutely right. You're spot on. Um, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, we're dealing with a situation uh, with a double standard from the left and, and all this fake news and uh, you know, just this opposition, it's really, it's really becoming a, uh, a terrible, uh, disgusting epidemic. Uh, Richard, please quickly tell everybody where they can connect with you. Well, you can uh, find me at richardmhansen.com. That's R-I-C-H-A-R-D-M as in Mark, H-A-N-S-E-N.com. I am running for mayor here in San Diego as a Trump Republican. And I just want to thank it. you, Rory. I mean, you really are doing a service to our country. I've said it before, you know, and I'll say it again. I mean, we need everybody standing up and you're out there, you're bringing the people in that are standing up for our country, standing up for our right. president, standing up for our military yeah. and law enforcement. Yeah. God bless you, sir. Thank you, man. Well, I appreciate you and you're a good friend of mine and we love having you on the show. Thank you, Richard. Well, thanks again, Rory. God bless. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Michael Balsi, go ahead. Well, echo what Richard said, the uh, just great guests tonight, Omar and Daphne, were just tremendous. It was great listening to them. I would like to make one comment on the Roger Stone case. You know, this judge yeah. is about as corrupt as they come, Amy Berman. But I think what's, uh, what's probably going to set uh, Roger Stone free is Julian Assange. Let's not lose sight of that. You know, once Assange, if he testifies, once he comes back, I think uh, – that case is done. And then as far as General Flynn is concerned, you can just see where that's headed. That's about to be tossed any day. Uh, the corruption within the FBI on that was just unbearable. So with that, I know you're running out of time here. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can reach me at Michael Valsi, V-A-L-S-I, on Twitter. Uh, DM me if you want. I'm usually on there every day. And, Roy, I'll look forward to talking to you next week. Absolutely, my friend. It's always a pleasure. And if you have any other thoughts, real quick, go ahead. Do you have any other things you want to get off your chest? Well, I just want to say, you know, it's like, you know, you kind of feel for Roger in that in that case going up against that judge, you know, when you know she's right. an Obama appointee. You know, no rulings have gone in his favor. Uh, but I got a feeling this stuff is coming to a head. I think we're going to hear from Julian Assange more, oh, sooner than later. And uh, I think things are going to fall into place. I'm not the least bit worried about this impeachment. I just don't yeah. see how it can go anywhere. But like I said, it was all part of the big uh, scheme of things. This was all right. scripted. It's the, the day Trump won the election, this was all a, a plan. The fix was in. It's just the stage. You know, it's the stage of the plan. 
You know, Russia right. failed, so now we're all in Ukraine. And I'm sure when that fails, they'll come up with something else. But, yeah. you know, none of these three, always... three well, none of these three counts that they're going to bring forth, there's there's no evidence on any of them. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, there right. just isn't. Yeah, and, and there's, you know there's what? Nothing they're, there always, on they're, always with, they're always obsessed with something new. They they're always have a fixation. I mean, whatever they can do to take him down, and they don't care what it is. They don't care. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know? Well, you've heard it before. You know, and they're, they're scared to death because they know what's coming, and nothing can stop right. what's coming. Sooner or later, that IG report is going to come out, and yeah. it may trickle. Pieces of it may trickle right. out, but we're going to get the IG report, and it's going right. to uncover a lot of things. There's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of indictments, I believe, that follow when that comes out. If you just listen to if you listen to Townsend and Joe DeGeneva, I mean, they kind of lay yeah. it out. You're kind of setting the right. stage for what's to come. No, it's, it's coming. You're That's out, you're about all I have, Roy. Right. Okay, no, but you're right, though. I agree 100%. Um, let's go to Hunter. Hunter, go ahead. Hey, so one one thing, I, I obviously really, really good uh, uh, guest tonight. It was actually, I, I really enjoyed listening to it. and uh, uh, Very, very brilliant people. But I, something I forgot to mention is, you know, the Republican, you know, everybody, you know, Democrats are crying about, you know, are celebrating uh, that the Kentucky governor lost, but we flipped the AGC right. in Kentucky yeah. and we elected an African American Republican in Kentucky, and we also flipped a seat in Mississippi, uh, not only winning the governor's race, but also the attorney general's race there. So I think overall it was a really, really good day, other than you know, Matt Bevins losing. Um, also, I wanted to update you on one thing. Uh, you know, as I said question. in the beginning of your uh, uh, monologue, News is always shifting. So, Padres Veritas just came out with a statement that the person that CBS fired was the wrong was not, wasn't even the leaker. They fired the wrong person. So, the person that actually leaked the video of the of the Jerry Epstein case was he was was the wrong person was fired. So, their person is still hidden. So, what a crazy. Uh, <laughs> so, they, they fired Jesus. the wrong person, which is unbelievable, unbelievable. So, but thank you for having me on, uh, Rory. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, Hunter. Uh, he's at uh, PM or DM me at uh, um, my on my Facebook page, Hunter Gordon Dworsky. It should say uh, Trump, a uh, former Trump staffer and uh, surrogate. Sounds good, my friend. I love it. I love it. Uh, let's let's go to Thank Chris you. Bray. I'll, get, I'll give you the the last uh, voice. Go ahead. You got to get some thoughts. Make it quick, and then uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, thanks a lot, Rory. Yeah, you can find me. The quickest way is on Twitter. That's at uh, Bracy too, and I just followed some of tonight's guests. Uh, great bunch of people that you had on tonight, and you know people make fun of Trump. You know when he was offering support down to Mexico to solve this problem, because you and I both were out here in Arizona. We're real familiar with with this situation, with this illegal immigration that's been taking place for years, and he's trying to solve a problem just like he solved it with ISIS, and he offered help to the Mexican president, which. Uh, you know that guy made a mistake by turning that down because you you almost have to believe that he's embedded just like the previous president with the cartel somewhere there's payoffs there but the only yeah. way you can fight those people that's a war that if anybody thinks any different you've never been in a war or you don't understand war but what's going on down in that country is a war and it will make its way further into the United States Unless we solve that problem, there's no doubt about it. And not only that, it's 
it's the drug flow alone that is corrupting this country. Uh, the users right. are just as bad as the pushers. Uh, they they catch they are- tons of drugs coming across these borders every day. This has got to be stopped. And, and President Trump is the only person I've ever seen in my lifetime who's really committed to, to protecting and doing the right thing for this country. And this whole Absolutely. impeachment stuff is a bunch of garbage. It's, it's it going is. down the drain. We all know this was a scam. It's nothing but a Democratic ploy because they know they don't have a viable candidate in 2020. And this is to try and distract the simple-minded voters. Chris, you're absolutely right. Always well said, spot on. I am out of time. I do got to close out the show, but thank you as always, my friend. All right. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Uh, It's been a fantastic show. Uh, Catch me on my weekend show Saturday uh, at – it'll be at 7 p.m. Eastern. Catch my show on KFNX Radio in your car, and we will be having Monday off Veterans Day, so we will be back with you on our online show Tuesday and Thursday of next week. Everybody, uh, as always, uh, I love you all. Uh, Have a blessed weekend, and uh, we will talk to you soon. I'm Rory Sodder, mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers.